Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number three of Genesis chapter six, and we're going to be reading the first three verses. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And Jehovah said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now, in our last study, we were looking at verse 3, and we saw that when the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, that that would probably better be understood, My spirit shall not always plead the cause with man, as God, uh, in his salvation program, pleaded the cause uh, through his people, his uh, messengers that carry the gospel for the poor and needy. And, and and so uh, this is leading up to the statement that his days will be 120 years. That is, there will come an end historically to the 120 years and then would come the flood. But spiritually, it pointed to a much longer time, which we'll uh, hopefully talk about a little later. But in the meantime, until we reach that point, God's spirit the um, ideas would continue to plead the cause with man. That is, salvation would um, be possible. It, it was po- potentially possible for anyone from man's perspective to become saved. Of course, only the elect from from God's perspective. And then the next part of the verse, which we spent a little time on, says, For that he also is flesh. And again, it, it, the the Hebrew word it, that is not really coming across through the King James translator's translation is a word that means erred or erring. And Jay Green, I think, more accurately translates this for that in erring... That is, in, in sinning or, or going astray, you could even put, in going astray, he is flesh. And this provides a biblical definition now for the flesh that will follow through in the rest of the Bible. When we read of the flesh, the filth of the flesh in 1 Peter 3, uh, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The, the flesh, uh, takes on a very negative connotation, a very sin-associated connotation. It, it carries the idea of evil and wickedness and that which is bad. And 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 so uh, we saw, for instance, in Galatians, was the last place we were looking at, in Galatians chapter 5, the Lord said, beginning in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, it's really sorrowful that there are individuals that tell people that if you try to keep the law of God, you are um, under the law and, and you're in the flesh, is basically what they're saying. And yet, the truth is that God says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, which is synonymous with other statements such as, walk in the truth, walk in the commandments, walk in my statutes. They're all synonyms for the same truth, the, the, the same thing, which is, how do you walk in the Spirit compared to walking in the flesh? Well, God tells us a little later on here in Galatians 5 and verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And that's what God calls a work of the flesh. But but what is adultery? Adultery, or fornication, is that which violates the law of God, the commandments of God, the Bible. Because God has commanded a man that uh, he, he is only to engage in sexual relations in the marriage institution, in a qualified marriage between a man and a woman, and there, there, there is the intimacy of marriage or sexual relations, and there would be no adultery, there would be no fornication. Outside of that arena of marriage, when mankind engages in sexual relations, it is adulterous, it is fornication. And, and so a work of the flesh in those cases is to go contrary to the law. That's a work of the flesh. Or in verse 20, God is further expanding and, and telling us what the works of the flesh are, the manifestation of them, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. And we don't have the time to go through all this, but idolatry. Thou shall have no other God before me nor shall you make an image or bow down to any other god. It's one of the Ten Commandments. A work of the flesh is when you break the law, the Ten Commandments. And and we could also, if we had the time, provide commandments of God against witchcraft, commandments of God against hatred and wrath. Remember, God says, that vengeance is mine, I will repay, give place to wrath and strife. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Seditions, heresies. What is a heresy? A heresy is a doctrine that is false, that is opposed to true doctrine. The teaching that Jesus is not eternal God is a heretical teaching. It's a heresy because it is false, and it goes contrary to the truth of the word of God or the law of God. It therefore is a breaking of the law 
to say that Jesus is not eternal God, or that he is not one of the Holy Trinity, as the Bible teaches, and and so forth, envyings and murders and drunkenness, revelings and such like, you will find, we would find, if we had the time and, and cared to do it, if we search the Bible, that Scripture provides, the law of God provides uh, the um, the backbone. It is that which is being drawn upon here to tell us what the works of the flesh are. A work of the flesh is to break the law of God in some form or point. As all these things are laying out, if you murder, if you commit adultery, and and there's many other sins, uh, as it says, and such like, that could be expounded and, and we could just lay out sin after sin after sin because the Bible's a big law book, and those are the works of the flesh. But what's the fruit of the Spirit? It says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Why is there no law against the fruit of the Spirit? Because the fruit of the Spirit are those actions and thoughts and uh, words that are in accord with the law of God. They follow the law of God. The, the fruit of the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. And to walk in the Spirit is again the same as walking in the truth and walking in the commandments of the Bible. And so, um, sadly, but ironically, when people say that you're placing yourself under the law and, and you're involved in the works of the flesh because you're trying to maintain adherence and, and be obedient to the law of God as a child of God, not that you're thinking in any way, and believers, true believers, say this again and again, that we desire to do God's will, not in order to get right with him or to become saved, but as a result of salvation, this is, in fact, in our life, when we do perform obedient acts towards the law, towards the, the word of God, the Bible, it is a demonstration, a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's really no one who can truly walk in the law of God for very long at all unless they have the Spirit of God. And and so God's people desire to do the will of God and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we keep his commandments through his Spirit that is in us. We have the Spirit of Christ. There is no more condemnation and through the power of his spirit, we are able to perform the doing of it, the keeping of the law of God more and more in our life. And whenever we fail, whenever uh, there's a sin in thought, word, or deed, a breaking of the law, we don't say, oh, no, I'm not saved anymore. Oh, no, I, I failed to maintain my righteousness. Of course not. The child of God recognizes well, I was never saved through keeping the law 
anyway, but by God's grace, I'm saved by the faith of Christ, not my own. I'm saved by the righteousness of Christ, not my own. And so we thank God for his mercy and grace and forgiveness. And we then put that behind us. As Philippians tells us, forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark for the high calling of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go back. We return. Our mind again goes to doing the will of God. And what would God have us to do? Well, how do you know what God would have you to do apart from the Bible? The Bible tells us the will of God for each one of us in our life. And God tells us through his commandments. Here's what you're to do. Here is what is right. And this is what is wrong. I desire for you. I will for you to do that which is right. And so God has ordained good works for us to walk in. Remember that in Ephesians. As again, um, remember it, it said there back in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. He shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, through Christ, and that not of yourselves. It's not our faith. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast or glory. Salvation is not of works in any way, shape, or form. And God's elect, of course, are fully aware of that. And then in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And uh, really, it, it's just tragic, the, the misunderstanding, the, the cloud of, of, uh, darkness that has come over the eyes of some when it comes to this question of doing the will of God and keeping His commandments. And yes, God says, Sunday's my holy day, remove your foot from my holy day, and God's people desire to do that very thing. And why? Because it's part of God's ordained good works that we're to walk in. It is his plan for his people on that matter of Sunday the Sabbath. It's his plan for his people on the matter of the marriage relationship, how the husband is to interact with his wife and his desire for his wife and the wife to the husband. It's the will of God for the children to honor the parents and and so forth. It tells us how to walk. And as we walk in the commandments of God, we're walking in the Spirit. It's only when people say, well, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. And so if I want to light up a big fat cigar, uh, you know, I'm going to light a big fat cigar and I'm going to have some uh, alcohol and and uh, uh, we're saved by grace. And we don't want to get into the letter of the law and, 
and we don't want to be legalists and and place ourselves back in bondage under the law. We would be walking in the flesh and all that is just camouflage. It, it It's nothing except language to justify sin. People want to smoke. People want to drink. People want to curse. People want to do what they want to do on Sunday. Or, or they want to divorce. Or they want to do whatever sin they want to do. Okay, that's the nature of man. Go do it. But don't try to use the Bible. And the Bible's glorious and wonderful salvation program in the language of the Bible concerning grace to justify your evil deeds. It's nothing but the filth of the flesh when men try to to say, well, you can't do the commandments of God after salvation or else you're placing yourself under the law. No, that in itself is a dirty, rotten sin of the flesh. That mindset that these individuals are promoting. And and, um, look, it says here again in verse 17 of Galatians 5, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You see, the 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 opposition to the people of God performing the will of God after salvation, being, again, desirous to keep God's commandments, which is also, of course, showing forth love to the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the opposition to that is a work of the flesh. The word contrary is an interesting word. It's 480 in the concordance, and it, it's a Greek word, anti-kaimai, is how I would pronounce it. Of course, anti, we can see why it's, uh, it's translated as contrary. Anti means opposed, that which is against. And kaimai is a word that means, uh, lying. Uh, so lying against. It, it, it's sort of, uh, I had, the idea that it's similar to uh, the Old Testament where you read that someone was lying in wait. They're, they're lying as an enemy ready to attack. And this word, anti-kaimai, translated as contrary, is also translated as adversaries in Luke chapter 21, Luke 21, verse 15 where uh, in this chapter, it, it's a chapter dealing with the Great Tribulation and, and the end of the world. It says in Luke twenty one fifteen, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, and God is speaking to his people, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. That is, all those that are contrary to you, and who is contrary? They that walk in the flesh, will not be able to resist or gainsay. Now, of course, any teaching that comes forth of the Bible that's true, that God's elect share, is resisted and gainsaid. But but there is uh, that which is just men being critical, because that's part of their nature. And then there would be actual 
resistance or inactual ability to gainsay because there's a mistake or an error with what is being said. And that's what God means. It will harmonize with the Bible. It will fit perfectly with the Bible, and there's no real or actual thing against it, but it's just the nature of man that they will continue to deny and and oppose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, this word is also found there in verse 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. When God opens up truth, the scriptures are unsealed, as he did in the time of the Great Tribulation, and he did open up a great and effectual door of salvation to save a great multitude, you can be sure that those opposed, that are established and set contrary to the truth, because the truth identifies with the Spirit, and the flesh is always opposed to the Spirit. The flesh against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. In Second Thessalonians, and this is another verse that especially identifies with the Great Tribulation, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 3, we read of the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, and that's language describing Satan. And then in verse 4, who opposeth, And that's our word, who opposeth or is contrary to or who is an adversary, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he is God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Satan is the chief, the the leader of the flesh, as the idea of the flesh really is closely aligned with the world, and Satan is the ruler of of the world. Uh, he, it's his kingdom of darkness, or it used to be, before Christ deposed him. But But he is the one, especially during the Great Tribulation, who opposed it and exalted himself above all called God. And that's why in the church today, because that's where he was in the temple showing himself he's God, that practically every doctrine of the Bible has been opposed. If you were to search, you'll find in some church somewhere in the church world, where there's about two billion professed Christians, that every doctrine of the Bible is set against, that there is opposition um, no matter what it is, the Bible says spank. Well, uh, in in many liberal churches, oh, that's abhorrent. The Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman uh, who had never married before, and and their spouses were still living, and and so forth. Oh no, man knows better, and and now uh, you can marry and divorce for whatever cause. And even the Bible says between a man and a woman, oh, no, no, we know so much better than God. Men can marry men and women can marry women. Whatever God has said in his word, the nature of man in the flesh 
is to be against it, to be in opposition to it, and to be opposed to what God has said. If God says he's the creator, man will say, oh no, we came into being through evolution. If God says Sunday's the holy day, you'll get some who insist it's still Saturday, or others who say there's no holy day, every day is alike. Whatever God has said in his holy word, if God says women are not to teach, well, come on, get with it. We're in the 21st century. It's the time of women's revolution. Actually, it's long past. And how dare you insult women? Well, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. Who are we concerned about offending? The woman or God? God who has said it and stated it. And his word is unalterable, unchangeable, as he himself is. Whatever the doctrine, you'll find opposition. Because it's the nature of man. It's the nature of fallen man. In First Timothy chapter 1, this same word, contrary, is found in First Timothy 1, in verse 8. I'll start there. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's our word, that which is contrary to sound doctrine is whatever God has said, whatever commandment he has stated and declared and recorded and spoken in his word, that is what man will do. He'll do contrary at some point, in some place. You can be sure of it. It's the nature of Satan. It's the nature of the natural mind, the carnal mind of man, which is another way of saying the unsaved individual. He's in the flesh. And again, going back to Galatians 5, verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, lusteth against the spirit. That is, there's, you know, when when you lust after something, you strongly want it, you desire it, you you insist upon it, you go out of your way to get it. The flesh lusts against the spirit. That's why people work overtime a few decades ago, to make abortion legal. It was, of course, the right thing to have it illegal. It's always the right thing to say, thou shalt not murder. But people worked overtime, and they picketed, and and they wrote letters to their congressmen. It was the flesh lusting after the spirit, desiring a breaking of the law. Or, we recently saw the example of the great uprising of people and, and, and people that want 
uh, homosexual marriage and gay rights. It, it's the newest fad. It, it's the new morality of man. Anyone opposed is a wrongdoer. Anyone for is a good individual according to the upside down, uh, way of the world. And it was a lusting against the spirit, a lusting to break the law of God. Terribly so, but it is the nature of fallen man and the spirit against the flesh. It's why God's people are troubled, why Lot's righteous soul was vexed in a place like Sodom. He desires strongly in the other direction for God's word to be upheld, for the law of God to be done. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.